Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Come on, one more time. Can we just lift up a shout of praise, clap our hands, thank the Lord for his goodness. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat right where you are, and while you do, why don't you look at your neighbor and just say, it's good to be sitting next to you in church today. Oh, come on. I know it's 927 in the morning, but we got a little more energy than that. Look at your neighbor, even if you don't mean it, and say, it's good to be sitting next to you this morning. Come on, even if if it's a faith statement. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to church. It's so good to have you here today. Um, In case we haven't met, my name is Brandon, and I'm one of the pastors, one of the leaders uh, of our church in particular. My wife, Jenny, and I, who you met a moment ago, uh, were the campus pastors here. And I just want to one more time on behalf of Pastors Gill and Debbie, our senior pastors, just say welcome to church and thank you for being here. If it's your first time today, we're thrilled to have you. And uh, we really do consider it such an honor every time we get to gather together uh, as a church community, as a family, and worship God and open the scripture. I'm thankful for that. Anybody else, are you thankful for that? Can I just get a big amen in the house? Well, if you got a Bible, go with me this morning to Genesis chapter 45. And uh, man, am I stirred up this morning to preach. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just so expectant and believing that this morning, God really does have something that he wants to speak to every single one of us individually. You know, I was thinking about this morning on the front row while we were worshiping how uh, our, our services, they, they really are like less of a classroom and, and more of a locker room. And, and, and what I mean by that is we're not coming today like we go to biology class or we go to chemistry or whatever god-awful subject that you had, had to endure in high school and college. And we're not going with textbooks in hand just, just to learn something. But when we gather together, we, we, we do want to learn and we do want to grow in our understanding of the Scripture. However... We, we are the, the people of God. We're the family of God that God has brought together, not just for our worship and our community, but so that we can make an impact in the community and the world that we live in. And part of why we gather, the Bible says, is so that we, through his word, we can allow King Jesus to speak to us. We can allow King Jesus to train us. We can allow King Jesus to equip us and give us what we need for the assignment that he has for us. And so I'm, I'm praying today, and it really is my strong conviction that not only does God want to say something to us corporately, not only does God ha- have a word for us as a community, but I really think that if you'll, if you'll lean in, Maybe you're here and you're like, I'm here because I have to be here. I literally, my spouse or my parents like made me come. I just encourage you that I think you're not here by accident. And I think that if you would lean in, the Bible says it this way, if you'd have ears to hear. How many of you know there's a big difference in listening and just hearing something? Like there, there, I, I, I will attest there are a lot of times God is helping me that I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I hear noise and words but I'm not really hearing what someone's saying. We, we gotta have ears that we go, God, I don't just wanna listen, but I'm trying to hear what are you speaking to me? And I just believe God really does wanna talk to you this morning and that God has something actually specifically, individually 
for you. With that being said, Genesis chapter 45 would ask you to turn there if you have a Bible. And uh, we, we're continuing in a series that we have been in for uh, a number of weeks. We, we paused for Mother's Day, kind of. Mother's Day, uh, the sermon Pastor Go preached last week could be included. Um, but what we've been in this series called I've Got Questions. And here's what I want to do today, uh, if it's okay with you. I don't know why I'm asking you, because I'm going to do it anyways. Um, But I want to make you feel like you're a part of it, you know? Uh, But if it's okay with you, uh, what I'd like to do is briefly kind of just recap where we've been. And here's why. Because today we're starting a second iteration of this series. Uh, the, The first part of our series really has been about laying a foundation for how we approach the questions and the questioning that we're experiencing in our culture. Uh, We've said this throughout the series, we're not unique in that we're the only people in the only point in history that have ever had questions. No, there have been questions since the very beginning. However, we're living in a day and age right now where the kinds of questions that are being asked and the things that are being questioned is changing. It's changing. We, we, we looked early in the series at a scripture in 1 Timothy where Paul writes this. Paul says, in the last days, what's going to happen is doctrines of demons. Let's just pause real quick and make sure like layman's term. Um, teachings, philosophies, ideologies that, that are not just inspired by intellect. They're actually inspired by demonic activity. We don't really like words like that. that that's uncomfortable, Brandon. It's Sunday morning at 9.31 in the morning. I'm not trying to think about demonic activity. That's not why I'm here. But Paul says in the last days, there will be teachings, philosophies and ideologies that will be popularized and that will be accepted by the ma- that are inspired by demonic activity. First John 5, 19, you can go look it up. It says the whole world, the whole world, lies under the sway or the persuasion of the, of the evil one. We are living in a culture in a day and age where predominantly the culture we live in is being inspired by the, by the evil one. And Paul said there will, come, there will come a time in the last days where there will be ideologies and philosophies, these doctrines inspired by, by the demonic, these teachings of demons and deceiving spirits that will lead away many. And he's not talking just about people who are outside of the church. He's talking about people who are inside of the church. And, and the, the reason I briefly just want to recap is, is for two reasons. One, in case you haven't been here, I want to catch you up. But secondly, um, I want to stir you up this morning. E- even if the introduction goes a little bit long and I got to shave some stuff off on the backside of the sermon, I want to stir you up this morning be, because as we enter into the second iteration of this series, I've got questions. I don't think it'll really land I I don't really think that it'll find the place it needs to find if you're not stirred up by the things we've talked about. We, we started this series talking about, you know, what, like, what's going on in culture. And we, we put these words or these, uh, this language to it that we're living in this postmodern or applied postmodern culture. And here's all that means. Postmodern, applied postmodern uh, philosophy and ideology. Again, this is a brief overview, but it essentially says there is no absolute truth. That there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute realities. In postmodern or applied postmodern philosophy and ideology, what it would say is that all, someone say all. All right, we get a little more energy at the nine o'clock. That all previously 
concluded, decided upon absolute truth and realities were simply constructs that were put in place by those who were in power for the purpose of gaining and maintaining more power. So postmodern applies postmodern philosophy and ideology would say there's no absolute truth. There is no absolute truth. There is no absolute reality that the only truth there is is self-realized truth. All we have, one, one, po, uh, one postmodern writer, writer says, all we have is kindness. Doesn't that sound like 2023? Hey, all we got is kindness. All we have is love. And the way that they would define kindness and love is to celebrate and affirm one's self-realized truth and self-realized experience. Postmodern thinking says we should just be aware of it. Like, do you, do you have any children that they don't want to be a part of the solution around the house? They just want to, like, make you aware of the problem? It's a mess in here. You could be a part of helping to clean it up. Now, I just want to let you know it's a postmodern thinking just says, I wish we should be aware. We should all be aware there's, a, there's an issue. But, but applied postmodern thinking says, no, we shouldn't just be aware of it. We need to actually seek to destroy every construct there is and to pull things down because it's too deep. This, these, these, these truths, these ideologies, again, that are constructs, power plays by those in power to gain. I mean, it's too deep. The only, the only solution is to tear it down. And we're living in a culture right now where if, if you can see it or not, it's happening, where, where the things that have been in place for years, the things that God has are being torn down because we're living in this culture. And Paul goes, don't, don't be surprised by it. Don't be a taken back. I'm telling you in the last days. What will happen is many people will be deceived and drawn away because of these ideologies and philosophies, these teachings of demons and these deceiving spirits that, oh, it sounds so right, but it's, but it's not. And we, we, we saw it in the first part of the series, really to lay a foundation and say, so how do we even approach questions how do we even approach our culture? And here's what we landed on. That first of all, we got to realize God is a God who, who is not stingy with answers. Can I get an amen? But the Bible goes, anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally without reproach. Anyone who doesn't, doesn't know, anyone who has a question, let him ask God because God gives liberally and generously. However, the Bible says, God gives more grace to the, to the humble. And anyone that would come to God with a humble spirit, Proverbs would say this, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The starting point for wisdom is acknowledging God, you are God and I am not. And anyone who would come to God with a humble heart and the fear of the Lord, that God is quick to speak and give wisdom and revelation. Here, here's the foundation we laid, that because God is a God who, who is not stingy, but God will give liberally that we have to just put these, these concrete foundational pieces that first of all, um, the Bible is truth. You can go back and listen to the podcast, did a whole sermon on how, how do we know we can believe the Bible, but the Bible is truth. The Bible is God's word. It has final authority in our lives. Secondly, that God is the creator and the originator of all. In, in other words, um, God, you created all things. You originated all things, therefore, when it comes to the, to the way that life works, the order in which life works, the things you have, we do it your way, not our way. 
We are not the creator. We are not the originator. God, you are the creator. Therefore, you get the final call in every area, how things are structured. And we said lastly in the final week of this first part of the series that we put in place this reality that heaven and hell are eternal realities. I don't know about you, but I can often just, just forget that. I know that. I believe that. But isn't it so easy to just kind of let that become something that's in, that's in the background? And we start living and thinking like, well, yeah, I mean, like to, to, to each his own. Hey, man, whatever's good for you is good for you, but what's good for me is good for me. And we forget that this game called life we're all playing has eternal ramifications. That, that the Bible says God, he is a righteous judge. He shows no partiality. And each one that each one will stand before God and will receive the things due to him according to what was done in this life. Heaven and hell are eternal, eternal realities. And, and here, here's where we're going in the second part. It's why, why I need you to be stirred up. Because in the second part of the series, we want to talk about this. How do we navigate relationships in this cultural climate? I, I, I don't know if you caught this a minute ago, but I, I just want to connect these two things. Living in a culture that all we have is kindness. It's all we got, man. Hey, all, all we really got is love. Well, what is love? Well, love is defined by accepting and affirming everyone's self-realized truth. How, how do we live in this cultural climate we are in? and simultaneously be men and women of God who have, who have put our feet on a solid foundation that God is God, that his word is truth, and that our lives are lived with eternal. How do we do that? It's complex, dare I say. Relationships apart from that are complex. Can I get an amen? But but it becomes even more complex and even more difficult when you start thinking about, yeah, but God, how do I, like, how, how do I go to college? How, how do I go to work? How, how do I interact and live in a world relationally where, where the culture says all we have is kindness, but my feet are on this solid foundation that no, that, that's not all we have. We have a God who is God of all creation. We have, we have truth that is found in his word. And we have eternity that is our, how do we do that? Here's what I want to do this morning. Be, be, before we talk about how we unpack that, I want to talk this morning just about the purpose. Someone say purpose. I want to talk about the purpose of relationships because here, here's what I really believe. That, that until we can see that there's potential for purpose, we won't really engage all the complexity. Have you, ever, have you ever done something before and, and you realize halfway into it, it was just too difficult and you didn't really care anyways. And so you just throw the Ikea furniture away. It's just the too many pieces. And I really believe that until we can see the potential, the potential purpose in, in relationship, that what we will do is we will we'll throw in the towel and we'll give up on the complexity of it because it's just too hard. It's too complex. It's too painful. But, but I'm telling you, when we can begin to see the potential of God's divine purpose, it allows our heart to engage the complexity. Matter of fact, if you're taking notes, you can write down just the title of the sermon. It is, what is the purpose of relationships? And I asked you like 
35 minutes ago to turn to Genesis 45. Uh, uh, We're going to read verses 5 through 7. That was a joke. Hopefully it hasn't been that long. Lighten up, people. It's 9.42 in the morning. Um, But but I want to go to Genesis chapter 45, verse 5 through 7. And I want to read these two scriptures. um, and, And they center around this man named Joseph. I don't know if you know a lot about Joseph, but Joseph had a very uh, interesting road to, to where we're going to read. Uh, Joseph was in a family where he was favored. All the youngest children said amen. He, he was favored by his father and despised by his, by his brothers. Joseph had two dreams where in his dreams, his whole family was bowing down to him. And he had the, had, had the audacity and the stupidity to share that with his brothers who despised him. And, and Joseph was thrown in a pit and then sold into slavery. And then in slavery finds God's blessing in a man named Potiphar's house. But his wife had some desperate housewives kind of vibes. And Joseph was a man of integrity. And so she makes up this whole story. And now Joseph's thrown into prison. But in prison, God, God, God remembers him. And he gets, he gets promoted. And he becomes second in command from the prison to the palace. And, and God uses him to preserve people on the earth because there was a great famine. Well, those same brothers that threw him in a pit despised him. In this famine now come to Egypt, not knowing Joseph was in Egypt looking for food. And and Joseph, we're about to read, he he reveals himself to his brothers and his brothers, you you can only imagine, are are filled with shame and guilt and uncertainty. What what did we do and what's going to happen to us? And here's where we pick up in Genesis 45, verse 5 through 7. Joseph is speaking and it says this, but now... Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. I want to read that one more time, and I want to point something out. Genesis 45, verses 5 through 7. I want to point out to you where Joseph finds his emphasis. He says, But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here. For God sent me before you. If I was taking notes, I might circle these words right here. God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me here to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you, I might circle these words right here, to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. I think it might be appropriate in this point of the sermon just to pause and acknowledge how powerful relationships can be. I I think for for a lot of us, we think about relationships like we think about water. Here's what I mean. Um, We're we're so blessed to live where we live that for the most part, we kind of just take water for, for granted. Like, like, like water's always there when, when you need it, is it not? And when it's not there, it's like a big deal. It's a crisis when the water gets shut off. Like, what are we ever going to do? How are we going to flush the toilet? Because we're just, we're, we're so accustomed to water. You get thirsty, great, go to the fridge and get some water. 
you're dirty or your car's got, got pollen, get a shower, grab the hose, just wash it off. You're hot, not a big deal. Jump in the pool. We take water for granted because water is just always there. And we often forget how powerful water is. We often, we often forget the potential energy within water to move things. We forget about the purpose that water actually has and how vital and essential it is. I was talking to someone the other day. I said, how much water you drink? And I told them how much water I was trying to drink. And they said, oh, the only thing I drink is coffee and Diet Coke. And I thought, wow, your body probably hates you. Like you, you need some water, man, because water is so essential. We just, we, we take it for, I think relationships are like that. We, we're so accustomed, whether they're functional or dysfunctional, we're just so accustomed to having relationships all around us. You get bored, call a friend. See a great meme, forward it immediately. Need help? Go to your neighbor's house. I mean, we get so accustomed and we forget just how powerful relationships really are. We won't take time to study them or read, read them all the way, but I think about verses like Proverbs thirteen twenty that says, he who walks with wise men will become wise. But he who is a companion of fools suffers much harm. I think about Proverbs 12, 26 that says, a righteous man, a wise person, they should choose their relationships carefully because the way of the wicked lead them astray. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, he goes, don't be deceived. Don't start taking relationships for, for granted because bad company, or, or should we say the company you keep, it always affects the character of your relationships are powerful. Relationships have so much potential energy within them to move and shift the course of people's lives and people's destiny. And because relationships are so powerful, I think we just got to stop and realize that we need to get an eternal perspective and stop living with a temporal one. In fact, if you're taking notes, you can write this down that we need an eternal perspective, not a temporal one. It's actually the first thing that I see in, in, in the story of Joseph is that Joseph had this ability to look past the present moment. Can I ask you this morning, do you have the ability to look past the present moment and to see the big picture? Because Joseph seemed to have this ability to see the big picture. See, what, 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 we, what we often do is we, we look at the story of Joseph. And again, if you've never heard the story before, let me tell you what we as Christians often do. I've been guilty of it. We, we make Genesis 41 like the big aha, reveal, God did it miracle. Because in Genesis 41, that's where Joseph goes from the prison to the palace. It's in Genesis 41 that Joseph goes from a slave to a king. It's in Genesis 41 that we, we would say in our American mindset, that's when the dream got fulfilled. Yeah, remember he had that dream and everyone was bowing down to him and all of his brothers were haters and they couldn't see. And so they, but look, God took Joseph from the bottom to the top. Look where he is. And we look at Genesis 41 and we go, man, he made it. Joseph got promoted. He got prosperity. He's got money. He's got power now. And our, in, in our American cultural mindset, we celebrate Genesis 41. He made it, man. 
You know what? God did it for Joe and God can do it for you. But, but if you really read the story of Joseph, Joseph didn't see it like that. Joseph didn't see his rise to the top, if you will, in Egypt, like that was even the point. We see this in Genesis 45, verse five through seven, where his brothers come and he didn't go, yep, told you. You you thought I was daydreaming. I was getting prophetic visions from God. Told you, I'm here. Remember you, you, you got all mad because I said your knee would be bowing to me. Look where your knee is. It's not Joseph, he didn't see it like that. So there's a number of things in his story that kind of point out that Joseph didn't think like this. One is that, that while Joseph was in Egypt and he gets you know, promoted all, all the way to the top, that he still didn't identify with the Egyptian people, so much so that he has two boys and he gives his two boys Hebrew names. One of his boys, his name, it meant that I've forgotten or I've let go all the pain that happened in my father's house. His, his second son, he, he named, and the meaning of his second son's name was, God has prospered me in the land of my affliction. Notice how Joseph still thought about Egypt as the land of his affli- affliction. Not the land of fulfillment. Not the land of his, th- th- this is the land of my destiny. In other words, even in the naming of his two sons, for anyone who's listening, what Joseph is saying is, these, this is not my home and these are not my people. This is not my home and these are not my people. This is not my end. Even in Genesis 45, you can put it on the screen. In Genesis 45, he's talking to his brothers. And again, he doesn't go, see, I told you that your knee would be bowed. He says, no, don't be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. See, Joseph realized that his great grandpa, Abraham, had a promise from God. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but God speaks to a man named Abraham, Joseph's great, great grandpa. He says to Abraham, Abraham, in you, I'm gonna bless the whole earth. I'm gonna bless you and in you, the earth will be blessed. What's he talking about? That from Abraham's seed would come one day, the Messiah, would come one day, the Savior. And Joseph seems to, look past the moment and go, no, actually, this is, no, no, please, this is not about being an American icon. This this is not about Genesis 41 and me getting all the money and all the power. That's not what this is about. God put me here because there's an eternal plan that is at play. See, this famine's in the land right now. And if it were not for God putting me here, the seed, the covenant people of God would have been wiped off the earth. That's why, that's why, that's why Joseph says, no, 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 you don't, don't, you, you don't do that to yourself. God put me here and God placed me here so that life and the posterity of God's people in the earth could be, Joseph had this ability to look past the moment. Can I ask you, do you have the ability? Are you currently looking past the moment? Because it's not just Joseph. Jesus commands and calls you and I as followers of him to look past the moment. Just because there's a little bit of sleep in your eyes, look at your neighbor and just say, look past the moment. Come on, look at your neighbor, just someone across, look past the moment. See, Jesus says, in Matthew 6, 19 through 20, listen to what he says. Jesus says this, Matthew 6, 19 through 20. He goes, do not, 
Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy nor where thieves break in and steal. Matthew 16, Jesus says this, for what is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Joseph, what is it to you if you're prospered in Egypt and you got all the power and all the money and everyone's bowing their knee, literally the whole world is coming to you? What is it to you if my covenant people perish from the earth? It's not about Genesis 41. It's about God's plan of redemption in the earth. And Jesus says, what, what is it to you if you gain the whole world and yet you lose your own soul? Or what will a man, can I just ask you this morning, what are you currently exchanging for a part of your soul? What, what, what is it for a man or what will a man give in exchange for his, for his soul? He, Hebrews 11, I love this. It says, these all died, are heroes in the faith. They all died having not received the promise, but, but seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Hebrews says, you do realize that all of our heroes, all of our Bible character heroes, that they all died having not received. How's that possible? Be, because what they were after and what they were looking for was something that was, that was on the other side of eternity. He says, they, they all died in faith, knowing that, no, the, man, the, like the big reward, the point is not, is not that I got all the money and all the power. That's not, that's not the point. The point is something that God is doing. And here's why it's important. It's important this morning, you just think about the eternal perspective and you get an eternal perspective because if not, what you will do is you will miss the potential purpose in every relationship. You can write this down, thought number two this morning is simply this, that there is a purpose in every relationship. I, I, I know this is kind of a lot, but I got four points underneath my second point. Uh, it's kind of a lot of three-point sermon with four points under a point. That's, forgive me, I'm taking my liberties, but I just want to offer to you just four thoughts on what potential purposes in relationships may be. The, the first one is this, is rescue and redemption. The Bible says in Proverbs uh, 24, 11 through 12, deliver those who are drawn towards death and hold back those stumbling to the slaughter. I love this. If you say, surely we did not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Proverbs says you do what you can do to hold people back from destruction. You do what you can do to hold people back from the way that does not lead to eternal life. And don't you harden your heart and go, well, you know, I just, no, you know it. God says, don't say you didn't know it. You know, something in you knows it. And often we turn that part of our heart off because it's easier emotionally to just not think about it. But, but, but Proverbs says, don't you do that for God weighs the hearts. So I think there's the, there's, there's the potential purpose in relationship for rescue and redemption. I think there's the, the potential purpose for discipleship and development. 
that God would put you around people that he's actually placed you in that relationship to disciple them and develop them and help them grow in the ways of God. God puts you in relationship with people because you need to grow, because you need to, to be developed. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. There's the potential purpose for a ministry partnership. It's the potential purpose for, for partnership in God's purpose and plan. I, I love this. First Samuel 24, 16, uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father shall not find you. Listen to this. And you shall be king over Israel. And I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows this. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And David stayed in the woods and Jonathan went to his own house. The story of Jonathan and David is such a beautiful story because here's David. He's called by God, anointed by God, and yet he's running for his life. And here comes Jonathan. By the way, David's taking Jonathan's place. But here comes Jonathan to go, no, 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 no. Let, let me strengthen your hand in God. Don't you get discouraged. Don't you quit. Don't, don't, you, don't you give up. Come on, everyone knows God's hand is on your life. There's potential for partnership in what God has purposed and planned. And lastly, I'll just say this. There's the potential for encouragement and edification. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 12, that anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression. Oh, I love this but a good word makes it glad. But a good word makes it, just, just this past week, I, I was having kind of a bummer day, if you could put it that way. And a local pastor in our area, we were texting about a pastor's gathering coming up and he sent me a voice memo. And just in the middle of it, wasn't the point, but just said some really encouraging words. I sent him a voice memo back. I said, you have no idea how much those encouraging words meant to me how much I needed them right now. There's the potential for encouragement, edification. See, but if we, if we don't have an eternal perspective and we're not thinking about God's plan on the earth right now to rescue and redeem people, to see people filled with his spirit, to see people experience all of his promises, to see people experience the life that Jesus purchased, will miss all the potential purposes in the relationship. Can I, can I just propose to you, there's no relationship you have right now that is just random. There's no relationship you have right now that is just coincidence. God is so, he has connected you and he's put people all around you and there is the potential for partnership with God in his divine plan on the earth. This is what Joseph saw. Joseph's brothers come to him. They put him in a pit. They literally left him. They, Joseph is overhearing the conversation. Well, should we kill him? Ah, we could sell him. That, that seems more profitable. Here's his brothers that rather than kill him, their, their other option, they sold him as a slave for profit. And he watched as the farther he got from home, the smaller his brothers got in his. And here Joseph is, he goes, stop that. Stop that. Stop it. 
Don't, don't you do that to yourself. Don't you know that God put me here? I don't know why he did it, but my place, my place in, in the relational dynamic of my family, God put me here to rescue and redeem you. Can't, now can't you guys see it? God gave our, our great-grandpa Abraham this promise of what he would do through our family, and our family would have been wiped off the face of the planet because of this. Can't you see? I can see it, God. I'm here because God put me here. Can, can I ask you, can you see it? Mom, dad, can you see it? Husband, can, can you see it? Classmate, coworker, can, can you see it? Can you see that we're not just connected so we have someone to share memes with? Although that is rather enjoyable. Keep them coming. Can, can you see that we're, we're not just connected so I got someone to play golf with? We're not just connected because like, I needed help. We're connected because we all have divine placement in each other's lives for the potential of partnering with God in his eternal purpose. See, but, but, but if you can't see that, I'm, I'm just telling you, if you can't see that, you will throw in the towel, you will give up. And when the pain of that, the complexity of that, when it becomes real, you'll, you'll throw in the towel. You, you'll exchange just emotional, like good feelings and good vibes. You'll exchange it for what God's really trying to do. Matter of fact, you can write this down. Uh, point number three, and where we close today, it's simply this, that the pain of purpose within relationships, that it is worth the payoff. See, when, when you don't have an eternal perspective, when you can't see past this moment, when you don't see the potential and all the relationships that you have, the pain, the complexity, the hardship, it'll cause you to throw on the towel. But I'm telling you, if you can see it this morning, you can see the pain of purpose within relationships is worth the payoff. The reality is that in our postmodern culture, we all, we all face the, the complexity where as culture says, all we have is kindness. It creates tension and pain living for eternal purpose. It can be painful feeling rejected, talked about, pushed out and away because you stand for truth. Can anybody relate? It can be painful loving people and doing everything you can to reach them and help them only to be shut out and talked about. Can anybody relate? It can be painful feeling like you are on the outside, marginalized and disconnected because you refuse to go along with the cultural narrative and just sit by and blend in. It can be exhausting never giving up and always looking for how God might use you to rescue, redeem, disciple, help, partner, encourage. It can be exhausting to the point that you just want to give up. You want to throw in the towel. I'm done. 
I've done everything I can do. I'm out. I quit. I'm, I'm, I'm done. See, what, what I think about in Genesis 45, <clears throat> Joseph's brothers didn't know the half of what they put him through. They, they knew a small part of it. Can I just encourage you? People often don't know the half of what they're putting you through. They don't know the half of it. They, they, they knew a very small part of it. And yet here's Joseph. It's been a really difficult 15 years. Like it physically hurt to get thrown into the bottom of a pit. Historically, what these pits probably looked like, Joseph probably broke his ankles, which by the way is probably why he was sold as a slave for a, for a slave's price. If you look at the, the content, because it's, it's, he's, he's damaged goods. It physically hurt when you broke my ankles but it didn't hurt nearly as much as listening to the conversation of my own family deciding whether to kill me or to sell me. It did something in me. As I'm getting farther away, heading to Egypt, and my family and my home is getting smaller and smaller, it did something to me. When God blessed me, and I was doing well in Potiphar's house, and for doing the right thing, for having character and integrity, getting lied about and talked about and getting put put in prison. It did something to me in a prison cell to again experience a measure of God's blessing and help and and then to be forgotten. It did something to me. Here's Joseph. Genesis 45, five through seven, I'll read it to you again. 15 years of pain and hurt and hardship And Joseph says to his brothers, come on, don't be grieved or angry with yourself. Who says that? There's some of us, that's all we want. Actually, for Christmas, I would love for you to be grieved and angry with yourself. It'd be a great gift to me to hear how grieved and angry you are with yourself. Guys, don't be grieved or angry with yourself because you sold me here for God sent me before you preserve life. You know what he's saying? Guys, are you kidding me? We get to live. We're alive. We get to live. We get to live and be, are you kidding me? It was worth everything I've got. It was worth it because we get to, to live. You know who I think about? I think about Jesus. By the way, Joseph is a, is a shadow of Jesus, but I think about Jesus. What does the Bible say? 1 John 3, 16 not John 3.16, but 1 John 3.16. The Bible says this, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us. Jesus said, you can talk about me. You, You can ruin my reputation. You can beat my body. You can whip me to the point that skin is coming off of my bones. You can hang me naked on a cross. It's worth it we get to live together forever because if my life would not be laid down we don't get to live because if my life were not to be laid down as a sacrifice for the sins of the world the world my kids my brethren my family would not be reconciled back to the father's house it's worth it and I'm just telling you 
when we can see, God, there's actually eternal significance and the potential for great purpose in every relationship you've put me in, it causes not the pain to go away, but something to shift and say, no, 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 no. It's worth it. Because I, I want my family to live. I don't just want my family to have good vacations and have a lot of money. I want my family to live forever with Jesus. I want to be on the other side of eternity one day. And by the grace of God, I want to have the conversation that Joseph had with his brothers, with all kinds of people say, no, 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 no. You stop that. Can't you see God brought me into your life so you could live? It wasn't about us just playing golf together. God sent me there so you could live. Mom, dad, don't, don't you give up. Dad, don't you give up. Come on, husband, wife, fighting for the life of your spouse. Ch child fighting for the life of a mom. Don't you give up because the pain of the complexity of relationships that are, that are eternally purposed, oh, it's worth it. Because it's always fun and easy? No. Be, because the Christmas card is always genuine and authentic to what was actually happening in the picture? No. Be, because God's placed you where he's placed you so you can be used by him so people can live. Church, let us not give up. Let us realize these are the days we were created for because God has connected us with people all over the place, not just so we can have casual relationship, so we can be divinely used by him so they can live forever with him. Can I pray for you this morning? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us. You would help us to see the eternal weight and significance of the relationship that you've put us in. God, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I pray for the one who right now feels like throwing in the towel and feels like giving up, that God, you would give them the supernatural strength and courage to keep moving forward. Would you help us, God, to be able to, like Joseph, see past the moment? to recognize the potential in every relationship that we have. And would you give us the strength, Holy Spirit, and the wisdom to endure, realizing the pain, the difficulty, it is worth, it is worth it for the fact that we've been brought into the lives of other people so that they may have relationship with you. They may experience the life that Jesus paid for them to have, and they may live forever in perfect relationship eternally with you. In Jesus' name. Hey, this morning as we close, would you, would you stand back to your feet? And I, I just had a sense this morning, even as we, as we were worshiping together, that, that, that God was doing something individually. And so I just want to invite you as we respond this morning to the word, our, our prayer and altar team, like every week, they'll be available after service, available during this time. But can we just take, take a few minutes and can we respond to whatever God is speaking to us personally and individually? And can we allow Spencer and the team to just engage us back in worship and close our time together today? Yes, thanking God, but more than that, allowing God to seal something in our heart that he's speaking and he's doing, amen? Come on, let's lift our hands and our hearts and Spencer, why don't you lead us today?
like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.